Well, the Knoxville real estate market is red hot right now. Uh, is, is that true? So a lot of people are taking advantage of this sort of window of opportunity and they're selling their houses and making major profits off of it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I've got a shed in the backyard. I'll take 150000 for it. And people are like lining up to buy it. That seems like what's going on right now in Knoxville. So much so that I kind of said to Catherine, hey, I mean, you want to sell our house? I mean, it seems like things are going right now, except that I'd have to go back into this same market and buy a house way high also. So we're not going to do that unless you make me a really good deal. Uh, then I might think about it. But it's not always that way, is it? I mean, it's the, the real estate market's not always like it is right now. I can remember when Catherine and I moved here to Knoxville from Jacksonville, Florida, about four years ago now, uh, we had to sell our house that we owned there in Florida. And it was a house that we built uh, in a neighborhood. It was a new house. And so uh, four-bedroom, really nice house. Should have sold really quickly, right? But once we moved here, we were renting a house from a, from a church member and we're living in this house and, and sort of just waiting for our house to sell. And it didn't sell right away. You know, and a month passed by and then a couple months passed by and then you kind of get to the point where you're like, well, what's going on here? And you start to sort of question God in those moments. You know, you ask yourself, did we make a mistake moving here? You know, because, you know, you have these friends that will, you know, I have friends that are pastors and they'll say, yeah, God called us to this church and we sold our house in two days and we knew that God called us because we sold our house in two days. And I'm like, it's been six months and mine didn't sell. I mean, what? Maybe God didn't call us. And then, and then you have questions like, well, maybe we shouldn't have built that house. I knew we shouldn't have built that house. And you start thinking and questioning and, and doing all these sorts of things. I'm being honest with you about some of the things that we go through in your mind. You need to realize that as pastors, all these pastors on our staff, we're not perfect. We're a work in progress just like you are. Uh, and so sometimes you have to give us room to grow uh, in our walk with God just like we have to give you room to grow in your walk with God sometimes. And so here we are thinking, and, and then you sort of get to a point where it's like, well, uh, maybe I can make a deal with God. You know, it's like, God, if you'll, if you'll sell our house right now, then I'll do dot, dot, dot right? And you see, you've made deals with God like this maybe before. And so you start to, to do these things, and then you kind of move to a stage where you, you really stop trusting God, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to try to do this on my own. And, and I'm, I'm going to try to maneuver. I'm going to try to finagle. I'm trying to do whatever I can to make this happen. And you start to pray less, and you start to worry more. Now, of course, we eventually sold our house, and we're able to buy a house that we love here in Knoxville and that we plan to live in for the rest of our lives, unless you make me a really good deal on it. <laughs> but a lot of times we approach our spiritual walk with God in the same way. Instead of trusting God and believing what he says, we try to do it on our own. We try to, to take charge of things and make things happen on, on our timetable. This is what almost happened when Samuel went to Jesse's house and he was supposed to anoint the king and he kept going from brother to brother to brother. He couldn't figure out what, what it was until little David came. And then there was a time in the Old Testament when Saul was supposed to wait on Samuel to come and to make the sacrifice, but he got tired of waiting so he took, took care of it himself and that didn't end up very good for him. And then you have the time in the New Testament 
when the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee and this big storm comes up and they're terrified. And so they wake up Jesus and say, why don't you do something? Don't you care about us? And Jesus stood up and he calmed the storm. And you know what he said to the disciples? Oh, you of little faith. They wanted to make something happen and wanted to do something. And so we say things like, I've, I've got this, God. I'll handle it. And we try to work and make God happy ourselves instead of believing in him. And so the question that I want you to think about in your mind today is this. Are you working because you believe God or are you working because you don't believe God? Okay, we're all, we're all doing work. And so are you working because you believe God or are you working because you don't believe God? Because this gospel covenant that we're going to study today is based on God's word and not on your works. So if you have your Bibles open, I ask you to stand in honor of God's word. If you're able, we're continuing our series through the book of Galatians called No Other Gospel. We're in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 21. The word of God says, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. These things are being taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. But now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as you just heard, Paul gets deep in the weeds here at this part of the book of Galatians. This is a section that's very uh, intricate argument that he's making here. He's looking at a lot of Old Testament passages, and he's sharing with us what a gospel covenant looks like. And as we just read, he's making a, a comparison here between these two sons of Abraham Ishmael and Isaac. And so this, today as we look through this passage, I want you to be thinking in your mind, am I like Ishmael or am I like Isaac? And so the first is, are you Ishmael? Paul takes this historical event that occurred in the Old Testament and he's using it symbolically to make an argument to the Galatians. This is an event that was foundational for the Hebrew people. This right here is where it all began. When you read throughout the Old Testament, there's a phrase that's repeated over and over again. That we serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Who was it? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say Abraham, Ishmael, and whoever Ishmael's sons were. 
right? He says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the Jewish people, they look back to the promise that God made to Abraham, and that was their hope. And they followed that promise to Abraham through Isaac, later on down the line through David, and now they were waiting for their promised Messiah. But Paul asked these Galatians, is that really where their hope is found? Is there hope in God's promise, or is it really in their ability to keep this law? In verse 22 and 23 of our passage, he says, it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. Again, he's drawing a distinction here. The Jews all knew this story, the story of Father Abraham. And this is a story that they loved. It was a story that they cherished. But it was also a story where there were some missteps. Everything wasn't all about the faithfulness of Abraham in this story. There are some dark corners in this story that will create all sorts of problems in the future. Even in the Bible, you see where this mistake that he makes with Hagar and then Ishmael is going to result in, as he says here, persecution, where Ishmael and his descendants are going to persecute Isaac's descendants, the Jewish people. And this happens even on down to today. Because the people of the Muslim faith trace their lineage back to Abraham through Ishmael. The Jewish people and Christians, we trace back to Abraham through Isaac. And so there's still this persecution that's happening even today because of what happened right here in this moment. God promised to Abraham that he was going to bless him. That he was going to make him the father of a great nation. But there's some time that elapses here. And he still isn't a daddy yet. And so he and Sarah are sitting around at the dinner table at night. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, God had made this promise, but they haven't seen it happen yet. And they're starting to get kind of old, and, and they don't know what's going to happen. And so they come up with a plan. Sarah suggests to Abraham that he should take her slave woman, Hagar, and that they could, they could make this happen with her. And so that's what he does. We can, we can take care of this. God doesn't seem to be in too big of a hurry. And so we can make this happen. So Abraham goes to be with Hagar. She bears him a son, and his name is Ishmael. And Ishmael is the child of self-reliance. Ishmael is the child born of our own toil. Ishmael is the child born out of a lack of faith. Ishmael is the child born of our own works. And what Paul does in this argument to the Galatian church is he takes all of these things that the Judaizers, remember this group, this isn't the occasion of the letter, this group of Jews had come into the church. They had told these Galatian Christians, it's great that you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but if you really want to be a follower of the Lord, you have to also keep the law. And so they were lumping on top of faith 
all of these works and saying this is what this is what it really looks like and Paul has been crushing that argument all throughout the letter of Galatians and so here Paul takes all the things that these Judaizers would have held dear and he turns them on their head for example in verse 25 he says now Hagar represents Mount Sinai and Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children these Judaizers would have pointed back to Sinai and said this is the moment that God gave us the law through Moses the great prophet, the great lawgiver. He says that, that was a, a great moment for them in history. But who does he compare it to? Hagar. He says Hagar represents Mount Sinai. They would have pointed to Jerusalem, the city of David, the holy city, and said, this is our city. But Paul says, no, the present Jerusalem is the seat of the law that enslaves people to self-reliance. He says it makes them captive to their own toil, to their own works, when they view the law as a means of salvation and not as the guardian that points us to the true means of our salvation, who is Jesus. And so this would have infuriated these Judaizers that Paul is relating them to Hagar. They didn't like Hagar at all. This would have infuriated them to say, no, y'all are like, Hagar. In verse 29 and 30, he says, Just as then the child that was born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, so also now. But what does the Scripture say? To drive out the slave and her son. For the son of the slave is never going to be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. In the Old Testament, we find Ishmael persecuting Isaac, now we find these Judaizers persecuting these followers of Christ. The irony is that the Judaizers would have absolutely rejected Ishmael. They said, we're the sons of Abraham. And Paul says, You're, you are the sons of Abraham, just not the one you think. He says, just like Ishmael, you are trying to do this in your own works and you're persecuting these Galatians by placing this burden of the law upon them and they need to be driven out and so today I said I want you to think in your mind am I like Ishmael and I want you to know today that you are like Ishmael if you're trusting in your works for God's approval Abraham and Hagar Wanted God's blessings, but not on God's terms. And there are people here today that want God's blessings, but don't want to do what God says. And they say, God bless this mess. <laughs> and they say, God put your stamp of approval on this sin, and he won't do it. Genesis chapter 17 and verses 17 through 19 is the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Hagar and Ishmael and all this, the background to these arguments that Paul is making. In this passage it says, Abraham fell face down and he laughed and he said to himself, can a child be born to a hundred year old man? Can Sarah, a 90 year old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, listen to what he says. Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. 
But God said, no, your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. He says, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. We don't say it like that, but that's exactly what we say to God all the time. God, if only this were okay with you. If only you would do what I want you to do, God. If only you would accept what I'm doing as pleasing to you, God. If only you'll take all these works that I'm trying to do and say that that's okay. When we say things like, well, I'll pray. That's good that you pray. But Muslims pray to Allah five times a day. And that doesn't count. You say, well, I, I, I'll, I'll go to worship. That'll, God will like that. God does like it when we go to worship. But Hindu people worship all day long. And that doesn't count. You say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read the Bible more. God, God will, he'll be okay with that. God likes it when we read the Bible. But Jehovah's Witnesses read their Bible all the time and can quote it better than most of us Christians can. You say, okay, well then, I'm going to really go out there. I'm going to go out on a mission trip. That's good that you go on a mission trip. But listen, Mormons go on two-year missions. All of them do. And it doesn't count. Because it's not about religious activity. It's about a relationship with the Son of God. And we say, well, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. He was working because he didn't believe. Remember I asked you that question at the beginning? Are you working because you believe God or are you working because you don't believe? He was working because he didn't believe. I'll make this happen on my own. And I wonder today if you're like Ishmael. Or are you like Isaac? Go back to verse 22 and 23. It's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave, the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born a result of the flesh. The one by the free woman was born through promise. After this debacle with Hagar and Ishmael, God sends three angels to come and to visit with Abraham and Sarah again. And they came to tell them that Sarah's going to have a child in a year's time. Now at this point in the story, they're both very old and it says that she is past childbearing years. And so when when God tells us this story in Genesis, he makes it abundantly clear that this isn't happening on its own. I mean, he goes out of his way to say, they're they're old, they're older than dirt, there's no way she's ever going to have a child. I mean, this is basically what he's saying in Hebrew, okay, Uh, in the Old Testament. And so he's, he's admittedly saying, it's going to take a miracle for this to happen. And so that means that this is a matter of faith now. There is nothing that they can do at this point but believe God. Did you hear what I said? Abraham and Sarah could not do the works on their own. They had only to believe God. In fact, Sarah laughed when she heard the news. That's what Isaac's name means, laughter. And that's because this good news that she was hearing was unbelievable. But That's how the gospel is. 
It is unbelievably good news. And we may laugh because it's so unbelievable. Unbelievable that God would love us when we are such sinners. It's unbelievable that God would save us when we had strayed from him so far. It's unbelievable that God would die for us to pay for our debt. It's unbelievable that God would walk out of the tomb on the third day alive, but that's the gospel. And it might be unbelievable, but all we have to do is believe it. And when you do, he says, you're a son of Abraham. You're a child of the promise. You're like Isaac. And this is the covenant that God made with Abraham. It was based on God's word to him. It was based on his promise. He said that he would do it, and Abraham was to believe it. And the gospel covenant is the same way. It's based on God's word to us, that he loves us, that he sent his son to save us, that he died in our place on the cross and was raised for our salvation. It's based on his promise that he would do it, crying out, it is finished, and we're simply to believe it. And so that means for us that there is freedom, that we're set free from our sin, that we're set free from our performance of our works in order to try and appease God, and we can have rest in Christ. So he says in verse 26 and 27, contrasting the Jerusalem of the present when he's writing with the Jerusalem above. He said the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it's written, rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, because you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. How can that be? It's unbelievable. All you got to do is believe it. The good news is that God is faithful, and he did it, and he will do it, and we can trust him. He says in verse 28 to this church, Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. He reminds this, this Galatian church, brothers and sisters. He uses this term of endearment, pulling them in closely. And he says to them, you are the children of the promise. You are the ones who are like Isaac. He says, don't listen to these Judaizers. They're like Ishmael. They're striving and working like slaves, but you are heirs of God in Christ Jesus. You are free. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, when God made this covenant with Abraham, he said, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. God recognized Abraham's belief, not Abraham's works. And with Ishmael, Abraham didn't believe God and tried to make it happen on his own. And that wasn't righteousness, that was sin. It wasn't about the works, it was about the promise. And so God makes it explicitly clear, even in the Old Testament story. In Genesis chapter 21, in verses 1 through 3, it says, The Lord came to Sarah, listen, as he had said. What's it about? The promise. What's it about? God's word. He came to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. 
Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, listen, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. The one that God promised, the one that God told him about, the one that God said. In verse 31 of our passage, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave, but we're children of this free woman. We're those who are trusting in God's word for God's approval. Abraham and Sarah wanted God's blessings and they believed him for them. We need to be justified before God and we believe in Jesus for our forgiveness. We're not saying, I'm going to work really hard and God will be pleased with me. We are saying, God is pleased with me because of Christ and so I'm going to work really hard for him. Working hard for the Lord is not wrong. It's the reason for it that matters. If you work hard in order to gain approval, that's not the gospel. But if you work hard because you are approved in Christ, then that is the gospel. You're working because you believe God. And that's certainly true with regard to our salvation. But we can do a similar sort of thing in our everyday walk with God as well. Instead of trusting God, Instead of waiting on God, we decide that we're just going to take care of this on our own. It's the struggle that we had when we were trying to sell a house. It might be the struggle that you have when you're trying to conceive, just like Abraham and Sarah did. It might be the struggle that you have when you're looking for a job. It might be the struggle that you have when you're looking for a spouse. And you go, well, this is just taking too long, God. I'm going to go down to the wild boar on Emory Road. <laughs> it may be the struggle that you have waiting on a wayward child to return. It may be the struggle that you have when you're caring for a sick loved one. It may be the struggle that you have when you're hoping and, and wanting things to change in your neighborhood. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to believe God? Are we going to wait on God? Because what we'll do is we'll pray and we'll, we'll ask God to, to bless what we've already decided that we're going to do anyway. Or we'll get tired of waiting to hear from God and we'll act on our own. We'll say, God, should I dot, dot, dot? And we'll go, it's been about five minutes. I guess God's not going to do this, so I'll take care of it. Anybody ever done that before? And again, that's not belief. That's not trust. That's acting like Ishmael and not like Isaac. George MacDonald said, A man's real belief is that which he lives by. What a man believes is the thing he does, not the thing he thinks. I'll give you an example. I've been working with church leaders here in our church for about two years now, looking at building plans for a much-needed renovation that we need to do of our children's wing and some other parts of our church building. And we've been talking with all the various ministry leaders and trying to figure out all the needs and stuff like that. And 
um, going through different iterations of drawings and and trying to slash and cut to try to keep the budget as low as we possibly can so that it can be something that's reasonable for our church family. And it's been going on and on for a while, right? And we just keep waiting and waiting and praying and praying. And there have been times that in my flesh I would want to say, all right, this is taking long enough. Let's just go ahead and do this, right? But that would be not waiting, not trusting in the Lord for his timing. That would be like Ishmael and not like Isaac. Maybe you've done things that sounded good to you, but it wasn't God's plan. And these are the moments that we're going to believe and that we're going to wait and that we're going to trust that we're going to be like Isaac. So Christians today, we've been reminded how we are to always walk with the Lord, believing in him trusting in him, waiting on him. And I'll go back to the question I asked you at the beginning. Are you working because you believe God or are you working because you don't believe God? The thing that you could do today to show God I believe you is to bring that thing that's weighing so heavy on your heart and give it to him. And say, God, it isn't about what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to believe you. So maybe during this invitation time, you want to come and spend some time here in prayer at this altar or even there at your seat. Saying, God, I want to be a child of the promise. I want to be like Isaac. I want to believe and wait and trust. There may be some here today who need to believe in this gospel covenant that Paul is sharing with the Galatian church. Maybe you know in your heart that you're really trying to figure this out on your own and you're trying to to work and say, well, if I just do these things, then surely I'll be okay with God. If I come, you know, to church enough or if I read the Bible enough or if I do a mission trip enough or I do whatever, if I'm good to people enough, then maybe that'll be good and God will like that. But what we've seen here is that It's not about what we do to earn God's love. It's about believing in a God who loves you and who sent his son to save you. The one who did all the work for us, living a life without sin and dying on the cross to pay the debt for all the wrong things that we've done. But who God raised up on the third day to give us victory over our sin and over that death. That we could have life and forgiveness through faith in him. And so maybe today you just need to believe put that faith in Jesus to save you, to forgive you, that you would begin this relationship with God. So in a minute, we're going to have a time of response. There's going to be leaders standing here across the front. If that's the decision you need to make in your heart, then I want you to come right down wherever you're at and to share with one of these leaders that this is a decision you want to make in your heart today, to follow after Christ as the Savior of your life. Maybe you're watching online. You can't get here in time. What I want you to do is pick up your phone, text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. And that will let us know this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today. And we can follow up with you and talk with you about a relationship with Jesus. But however God is speaking to your heart today, now is the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your word. 
Lord, we're thankful for your promises that we can believe in and that we can trust in and we can wait on. So God, help us today to be like Isaac and not like Ishmael. God, I pray for Christians here today, Lord, those things that weigh us down, those things that we want to do on our own and not trust you and wait on, God, that today we would lay them at your feet, that we'd believe you for them. God, for those that are in the room that don't have a relationship with Christ, today they realize that they need to put their trust, their belief in this gospel and Jesus to save them, that today would be the day that they would follow after Christ. God, for those who may be in the room who have, are visiting our church today for the first time or maybe they visited for a long time, and they're sensing that you're calling them to become part of this church family. This is a time for them to make a decision to become part of this church. And they would come and unite with our church family. God, whatever things are on our hearts, whatever things we need to do, whatever commitments we need to make, God, may we be faithful during these moments to act upon them, to be doers of the word and not just hearers. We ask it in Jesus' name.